and welcome to the first episode of the Thinking Not podcast. I'm Cap, and I'm here with Charles to begin our conversation about evolving into fully functional human beings. Are you ready for this, Charles? Geez, I didn't know that was our subject. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> we are, uh, we're really excited to have you along on our first episode, in which we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves and what we think this podcast will be about. But we're both just taking it a step at a time, letting things develop naturally, right? Well, that's the goal. Okay. So who knows where we'll end up, in, in other words. Oh, I do. <laughs> Thanks for joining our conversation. We hope something we say today will reverberate in your heart, help you to feel your way to a stronger connection with those around you. Remember, we are not trained or licensed therapists. And while for some, this podcast may be therapeutic, it is not therapy. I have to interrupt. Okay. I love the fact that you laughed when you said the word <laughs> therapeutic, <laughs> but we are going to be very real and it's hard to find a place. Um, we talk like this as friends. We've been friends for quite some time. And we talked about the fact that uh, talking, honestly, talking in the real, real, so to speak, uh, dropping all the pretendings that we have to be something other than we're not. Then uh, it, it like we wanted to say, what if, you know, what if we could get more people interested in and being real more uh, intentionally, like like it could be a real hour. This is what real, real feels like. It's like uh, we're serious, we're earnest, but at the same time, holy heck, um, we don't want to take ourselves like somber. I mean, we're... Absolutely we're, not. We're really earnest. I mean, because growth and, and, and honest communication, it takes courage. It just takes courage. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just... Two people discussing our own journey of growth. So um, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please rate, follow, or subscribe, and review. You can find more of Charles's writing on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. And now let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts, if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. So Charles, we've uh, known each other for a long time. And over that time, I've been really fascinated with your personal journey, but even more with your, your growth. When I left the corporate world, kind of dropped out of the, the rat race. I did it with a genuine desire to work on myself, whether that's through self-reflection or meditation or whatever, but trying to see if I could become the person that I set out to be 40 some years ago. And you helped me on that path. We started talking. And as we did, I realized that other people might benefit from our conversation. So 
you know, the uh, the introduction to this podcast, our very first episode is really about what the episode is going to become and why we decided. I mean, God knows the world doesn't need another podcast, but, but you know, why why we decided to, to do this for for me, it was really a thought that somebody might be able to benefit from some of the conversations we were having by kind of being that fly on the wall and really a desire to to want to give back a little bit, make the world a little bit better place when I'm gone. So I think this podcast could help do that for somebody. Tell me why, why did you agree to do the podcast? I, I uh, feel like I had to drag you a little bit at the start, but uh, then I think once you warmed up to it, you, you leaned in. Well, I, anything that smacks of uh, commercialization or, or promotion bothers me just bothers me because uh, the best things in life, and you don't need a commercial to tell you this, but the best things in life are free. They just are the best moments in life. And of course, the tagline is everything else you put on credit. But we've learned as adults that that doesn't work either. So, you know, as you started by saying, you know, like you actually thought I said some things that might be helpful to you. I was just like, that came as a surprise to me because, because we didn't know each other that much. We kind of got to know each other by playing a sport together, tennis and, uh, over the net and over some very bad calls that he makes, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, we developed a, a sense of respect for each other's uh, humanity, so to speak, um, because we really did try hard on the court. But as soon as we walked off the court, we really did like just talking to each other. So the one thing didn't necessarily bleed over to the other. Like we could leave all of our competitiveness on the court. And that was a weird, like therapeutic feeling for the two of us, you know, to realize we just tried to beat each other's brains out. And oh, by the way, would you like a cup of coffee? And would you like to talk? It's like, oh, wow, that's different. Usually when somebody walks away with a bruised ego, if you're playing a competitive sport and we walked away just happy with the effort. And that was my side of the experience. Anyways. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And you know, not happy with the calls because <laughs> you are blind and that to be fair, that worked to my advantage much of the time because a lot of balls that were out, he called in, but, um, the only thought I didn't see, <laughs> I just called them in because I wanted to give them a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that in itself is telling because I think there was a point and, and we've played tennis what's it been 15 years, something yeah. like that. So, it's been a while. you know, we have known each other for a long time. We have gotten to know each other better as we've gone through things in our, uh, you know, different episodes of, of life, you know, whether for me, it was mulling over a, a job change or dealing with the stress of work or, you know, our children going through different, different things. We uh, we've been through thick and thick and thin. And, you know, there came a point in our on court relationship where it felt to me like you were trying to support what was happening for me off the court. Right. And mm -hmm. um, trying to help me deal with things. And, 
you know, I've told you many times that the worst version of myself shows up in competitive environments. And you took that in stride on my worst days. You helped me to, you know, get through uh, whatever stress I was going through. And, you know, you realized that maybe competition isn't the best thing in that frame of mind. Why don't we just hit for a while? Mm -hmm. And so we'd hit and we'd talk a little bit. And eventually we got to a point where um, our conversations got a bit deeper and more meaningful, more impactful. We got to a point where I wanted to make a journey of growth similar to one that I had seen you make because you you've come a long way in the 15 years that I've known you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I didn't, then I'd be just a fraud. You know, if I'm not growing, too, what's the point? So that's why we have friendships. I can't do this by myself. I can't. The thing that you tell me is a thing I could sit in a cave and try to think of for 100 years. But you say it and it's just part of who you are. And it's just unlocks what I was struggling with. So the the nature of uh, honest sharing, uh, not premeditated, not strategic, not manipulative or passive aggressive or making me look shiny and you look a little besmirched. Uh, <laughs> I really just, you know, I want a real, real. And this is what tennis, of all things, I've expressed this to Cap. Tennis was the weirdest route to a genuine friendship I've ever had because I don't play tennis in leagues and I don't play tennis to win. I play tennis because I like the sport and I like chasing a little ball. I think I was a Labrador at some point in <laughs> some former life somewhere, but man, you see a ball and I just run. Uh, and so that being the case, I did a lot of running and we saw each other in awkward positions and awkward moments. And we allowed for all of that. And with that, a friendship blossomed. And we'd like to say organically, it wasn't like it came from a need. It came from a mutual respect and appreciation. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know that I've had any uh, friendship develop like that before. Yeah, no, likewise. So maybe we should just take a moment and tell uh, whoever may be listening a little bit about ourselves, although I'm confident that the, they'll find out a lot about us. They probably already have. Yeah. Um, but hung uh, up already. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, will find a lot more out about us um, through this podcast. But do you want to go first or should I? Well, if we can do age before beauty, I'll go first. Perfect. That's exactly the way it should go. So I've been around the uh, shiny object quite a few years. Uh, quite a few circles, as I like to say, without trying to uh, brag. Uh, I did learn a few things. I just didn't circle. I did learn some things along the way, not because I was especially bright. I just kept going around. And every time I went around something, whether it was an issue <laughs> or an object, uh, I seemed to pick up a little something more about it. And that seemed to be the journey of my life. I... Uh, <sighs> Guys, I'll, I'll say it because I was late to come to this realization, but I have white privilege. And I have to say that right out loud because I didn't know it. And that's like me saying I couldn't see the color red because I never had my eyes tested for that color. I didn't know it existed. But then I got to see the effects of me not seeing the color red. And I saw red everywhere then. I have to own it. And at the same time, I didn't cause it. 
And that's not trying to dodge it, but it is trying to uh, embrace it with all of us. But for people who have uh, been uh, on the outside, I got to tell you, sometimes the people on the inside don't know that. And we're not doing that on purpose. We're just as sheltered from you as you are from us. And uh, we're trying to break all that down. That's what we're trying to do when we talk about waking up. We're really trying to see each other as opposed to closing our eyes and bumping into each other and going, hey, get out of my way. So I can't really say all that on a tennis court. I want to say that to as many people who want to hear it. And perhaps he wouldn't mind me just not bending his ear. Maybe I could bend some other people's ears. <laughs> so he asked me to do this. Yeah, well, you have a, you've got a lot of good thoughts. You have a... Uh a way with words and a way of explaining situations. And, you know, what I have grown to really appreciate is that you lead with love. You know, I have struggled to be the person that I want to be all of the time. And um, you accept the person that I am, as you do with uh, everyone I've seen you with, um, and you you lead with love. And so, you know, I if nothing else, I would hope that the example that you set, uh, if if that can come through in this podcast and show others what it is like to live your life that way, where you're leading with love, that just in itself can be beautifully instructive, but uh, hopefully also very helpful for f- people. Well, it's been a weird uh, road to to come to that place where I have uh, accepted that I lead with love because that's all I really want. And so if you ask what comes after love, I just say, how about a little more love? <laughs> you know, like how about uh, a little different type of, you know, love? We can talk about lovingly about anything. We can talk about anything lovingly. But uh, when you want to talk about how do you get to loving the things that matter, like the people in your life and maybe even the person in the mirror, who, man. And you and I were just talking about that this morning. We can go and, you know, and pay somebody um, if we have insurance. If we don't, then we go and talk to a minister, perhaps, or, or some respected uh, member of our network, call it what you will, our relationship network. And we try to talk to somebody about it. Um, but we all know it's a bit of a crapshoot. If you're paying for it, then you're suspicious about it. And if uh, you're not paying for it, then then you wonder if they're really qualified. It's a catch-22. You want to believe that they see you better than you do, but can you really believe that? Because really, who knows you better than you do? And then we have to admit we don't know ourselves at all. And then, oh boy, it gets into a ball fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and that's uh, is just the beginning of some of the things that I think we'll we'll get to. You uh, you mentioned self love there. You mentioned self reflection, getting to know yourself better, uh, accepting who you are, et cetera. Those are all big, big topics uh, and things that, you know, I think this podcast will, I know this podcast will get around to tackling. And I look forward to, we've had some of those conversations already. Uh, I, I look forward to those conversations. Mm-hmm. 
So from a personal standpoint, I know that you have children that you're very proud of. Um, you have a partner in life. What do you want to share in terms of uh, some of those things? <laughs> hey, I, it's really a weird thing. To, I don't know if I'm proud of my children. I know I love them endlessly, but, you know, they're just one bad decision away from, you know, turning left in their life just like I did. And so I'm going to love them whether they go left, straight or center or up or down. So proud is something that I, uh, I let go of when I'm just proud that they're quality individuals trying to do their best. Yep. Um, that's something that I'm proud of everybody that I see doing it. So I don't, I'm not more proud of my children just because they're trying to do what everyone else's children are trying to do. And I'm trying to do. So I believe that we're all equal, even though I'm older, that doesn't make me any more equal. It just makes me slower. I'm slower. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, you know, for myself, Charlie shared a little bit about his journey. I I am a father of two grown men, a husband of uh, my partner for 37 years, the son to a couple of elderly parents who are still living on their own outside of Dallas, brother to three sisters, caretaker for a couple of schnauzers who I think I see one's shadow outside the door right now. And no doubt at some point they'll decide to, to interrupt our podcast with a little bit of their own talking. It's funny, out of all the talking, you know, we've we've talked a bit about work, et cetera, but I don't know how much we've really shared about that. You know, I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm ready for what I do to not define me. I'd rather be defined by who I am and who I'm showing up as every day. But, you know, I think it's a part of the story of how I got here to this podcast. Uh, And I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've been part of the start of six different companies. And there's a lot we can we can unwrap there. You know, the the risk of going into those types of companies, uh, I'm sure was born out of my childhood moving around every year and a half as a child, I grew to accept risk wholeheartedly. And so uh, I have always been very comfortable with with risk. But, you know, that career. Could I interrupt you? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That was a very on a certain realm in a certain arena. You're very comfortable with risk. But I have found in other arenas, you're very conservative in your approach to because because you're such a planner and you can yeah. do business you can plan business yeah but you can't plan life yeah yeah no no you're absolutely right so you know a lot of that sense of control was how i dealt with risk right so you know i wanted to although i embraced risk and wanted change in my life and still Anytime I start to feel any sort of stagnation, want to change things up a bit, I did work to mitigate risk through 
control. And, you know, when you're part of startup environments, there are so many risks and potential risks. And then, you know, you get to the point where the the last job I had before I left my career for whatever this is. <laughs> fun. Well, yeah, fun. Exactly. A <laughs> heck of a lot more fun than that was. <laughs> Uh, my, but my, my last position was managing 350 plus health clinics, you know, about 3000 staff reporting up to me. And, you know, in that environment, every day is a red alert. And mm-hmm. so you are, you know, just so you can have some small measure of peace of mind, you are trying to control everything sure. to mitigate, to, to mitigate risk. So. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair call out. I do. And, you know, seriously, Charlie, this will be a part of the conversations we have. I have no doubt, because part of that desire for control, as I have spent the last year, year and a half doing a lot of self-reflection, I have realized that part of that urge to control affects so many things that I do. In a day, and I'll give you an example. So I've I've shared this story with you before, but um, you know I walk the dogs with my wife every morning, and once a month it's a near death experience as we come across drivers who are mm. you know not paying attention or mm. or whatever. And you know there was an episode that I shared with you where we were walking on a sidewalk, and there was an entrance to a retail store, and had stepped into the crossing and we're walking across and a guy who had come up behind us was turning left into this opening and didn't stop, saw us there clearly and didn't stop. Right. Right. And, you know, I yelled and he stopped right in front of us and rolled down his window and I was just seething with anger. And I had shared with you how on reflection, you know, it was such a disappointment to me that my immediate reaction was that just seething anger that somebody would do this to me. And, you know, even more than that, there was genuine concern for my dogs and for my wife, who was a step ahead of me. Mm. And in that moment, I told myself that it was out of my concern for them that I had gotten so angry. But over time, in reflecting on this, you know, there was absolutely an element that I didn't control him. He did something I didn't want him to do. And that's where a lot of my anger came from. And so I find that sense of control coming up in a lot of problems, right? A lot of times that I act in a way that I don't necessarily want to act. It's I I come back and I reflect on it and I realize that it's that sense of not having control over the situation that has caused me to act out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When someone goes outside, you might have like wide guidelines, like you give them some parameters, but if he's outside those parameters, then we need to get him back in. It's my job to control things. Right. <laughs> like, look, I'll give you some leeway, but come on, you know, you got to stay within my range, whatever right. my comfort level is for your role. 
that I have assigned to you as a driver whom I've never met. Exactly. So I have no reason to know why I should have trusted to walk out, except we do have a social covenant. And if he'd have struck you, more than likely, he'd have violated that social covenant because you have to yield to pedestrians. Full stop. Right. But maybe you were, the affront was, okay, you didn't hit me, but I shouldn't even have to worry about that. I should be able yeah, to walk I shouldn't have to, but, right. but we do, yeah. But we do, you know, but being diligent and, and responsible ultimately for my own safety, there's a part of you that was a little mad at you mm-hmm. that you didn't really check, check. True. Yep. You know, you just assumed. And in that assumption moment, like something very unexpected happened, which was outside of your GoPro view. And then boom, there it was. It was just like, whoa. And yes, the very first, you take it personally. It's just like you did that to me. You woke up this morning, went out and said, I'm going to scare the crap out of Cap. That's what I'm going to do. And that's how I react. Like that was personal. When I wake up to myself, I realize, oh, I really do need to have situational awareness. I mean, not fear, just alertness. I just want to be generally alert. Even as I'm approaching a green light at an intersection, I have the right of way and I could be dead right. If I'm just. And you still could be dead. Right. That's what I (laughs) mean. Exactly. Yeah. Because someone else was having a bad moment. Whether it, it, it involved fault or not, it doesn't matter. It could be a stroke. And, and, and so no faults involved, but I could still save my life if I'm paying attention. And that's ultimately my responsibility. So when I'm mindful like that, I'm less likely to be thinking, what am I going to do when I get to the office? What am I going to have for dinner when I get home? What am I, I'm going to be more awake and aware as I'm a driver and as I'm more aware, I discovered that there are less bad drivers out there because I'm paying more attention and I see them so clearly that it's like I can avoid them so much easier if I'm paying attention. They don't bother me at all. They can be bad drivers out there, but I see who you are and I just don't go near you. That's okay too. So my mindfulness lowers my stress. A lot of people treat mindfulness like I got to pay attention to everything because I don't know what's going to be important. And that stresses me more, not less. So I'm not trying to think of what all the possibilities of what could go wrong. I'm just trying to pay attention to everything at the same time. This way, if something happens, I can react to what just happened, not what I thought could have happened. But what actually did just happen? Because I'm in the present moment. That's what I try to mean by being mindful. It's not beating every thought to death or into the ground or or back because it's bad thought, bad thought. No, it's just like, what are you trying to tell me? And if you're just up there babbling, just be quiet. (laughs) Let me enjoy the view. It's a nice day out here. Look at all the green. Oh, there's the pollen again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I take my Zyrtec? (laughs) And on and on we go having a day. But that's not stressful. That's kind of fun, just paying attention and not getting distracted by 
who else do I need to control next? What about that guy over there? <laughs> What's he going to do? See, I, I knew we couldn't just do an introduction today. I knew we had to get into, we had to get into some of this, but this, this is what, this is what excites me about this. I mean, if nothing else, if no one else ever hears this, uh, we're going to have some good conversations and I'm going to learn some things and get a little bit farther along on my journey. Well, it, I want to add a little bit of uh, postscript, as they call it, a PS cap. Asked me if he wanted me to uh, go through the script because he's the organizer, as you can tell. He's the CEO, COO, CFO, CEEEEEEE. See what he can do? And I'm not. <laughs> I'm everything that that's not. And that's okay. And together, he has his strong suits, and I have suits. <laughs> I don't know if they're strong or not, but I've got suits and I'll show you all my suits and we can talk about all the colors and all the pretty patterns and we can see if any of them make any sense to you. All right. So we're at the point in our introduction where we should probably explain the name of the podcast. <laughs> and for those of you who have paid any attention at all, you've probably um, already heard that Charles has counseled me for some time that I think too much. And, <laughs> and being, he caught me mid water swallow. Oh that that was a spit take right it there. Almost was. <laughs> being rational has always been important to me. It and that gets back to that sense of control. But in our conversations, you have stressed that what we need, we the general we, is we need to lead with love. We need to start with love and not overthink things. That thinking just gets us twisted into knots. And so the name, the thinking knot, came from the idea that we need to start with feeling, not thinking. And that focusing on thinking will just get us bent like pretzels, right? So, Well, it gets us boxed into... Uh uh, a log jam. You know, ideas are designed to have point counterpoint. That's just the nature of ideas. Uh, every debates in high school team uh, has, okay, you take this position this time. Hold on, hold on. Never mind. Tomorrow you take this, the opposite position and you better argue it just as well. So everybody realizes you can argue <laughs> back and forth to a deadlock. To a deadlock. And that's what we do. And we think that that's being honest because for every point you make, I make a counterpoint for every point you make, I make a counterpoint. Well, okay, fine. So thinking is not going to get us anywhere. Thinking just gridlocks us. So what do we have left as human beings? And heaven forbid, I, I, I talk about something that might be called the human spirit. So we won't go there. Let's just go to our human heart. Let's go to the fundamental human heart before the age of, let's say, six, because you all had one. Because if there's anybody who's less than six listening to this, I got to talk to your parents. <laughs> Not that you can't get something from it, but I don't know what it's going to be. You could probably get on here and tell me stuff that I need to know. That's a whole other podcast. So here's what I'm trying to suggest is that. We get so involved with thinking about what we should care about or who we should care about 
or how we should care. Like it should be rationed out. Like it's of limited supply and, and we need to be efficient. We don't want to waste our caring, you know, like we, we want to be good capitalists with our caring. It's a resource that's so precious to us. And we're pretty sure it's, it's exhaustible, but we haven't ever really run out of caring yet. But we're pretty sure we could if we just kept giving it away freely, like freely, freely, like free, 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 like the commercial. Because if you start giving away caring like that, what would happen? Like maybe somebody would start caring back. Maybe. Because if I'm just going around caring, people start to care about me. I don't know why that is, but they do. They can see that I care about them. And something about that brings out something that seems to make them want to care about me. And that's a mystery to me because I know I'm not all that. But I do know I care about you equally. I do know that you matter as much to me as I matter to me. And that's very freeing to me. I get to be your equal. I get to look you in the eye and not drop my eyes, nor ask you to drop yours. Just, can we look at each other and can we talk? <laughs> and I said, oh, great, I have a friend. And he said, holy shit, I think I have a friend too. So we just started talking and we've not, I've not shut up since. <laughs> Forgive me. I'll be asking your forgiveness a lot. So you bring up something that I wanted to ask you about, and I don't, I have no idea if you have followed this in the last two days or not, but are you familiar with the Will Smith slap at the Oscars? Did you hear about this? I did. So, so it it was interesting to me, you know, kind of what your take on the situation would be when I first heard about it. I thought, okay, what, what would Charlie do? I'm going to get bracelets made up. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) And, and, you know, Will Smith's comments afterwards, you know, where, and I think it was during his actual acceptance, where he talked about he just wants to have love in his heart, et cetera. None of us are perfect. We all have moments, even when we are trying to be the best version of ourselves, we fail from time to time. How did you interpret what, what happened there? Cap, this is a surprise question. Uh, you told me not to not to prep you. You wanted to come in cold. I am. I am. So <laughs> the very first thing I'll, I'll tell you is that I have no firsthand knowledge. I don't know Chris Rock, and I don't know Will Smith, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I assume there's there's a lot of context there. The action itself doesn't necessarily need context in order to be inappropriate. So without judging, if, if, and no one's asked me except you. So if Will were to ask me, if Will were to say, hey, you know what I was trying to do, right? And I, yeah, I think you were trying to, yes. Maybe, maybe he told Chris before, like, leave Jaden out of this right now or leave my wife out of this right now. And, 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 and you said you would, and maybe what you did up there broke your word. And, and, and that really affronted me in some form or fashion. So again, I'm talking about context in a way of saying, I don't know. But what I do know is that with that amount of uh, 
anger, which he had, Will had, I think he could have still walked up to him and, and, and leaned into him and, and taken him away from the mic and said, would there any way you could apologize? Because that really hurt. And I know it was a joke. And I don't want to cause violence here. But if you could just man up and just say you're sorry to her, that would mean a lot to me. So that's all I would say to anybody. And, and for Chris Rock to take that and then to stand there like that, that's a hard thing, man. That's got to be. That's got to be. And, and I'll tell Chris, I said, Chris, it's a, it's a boomerang, 72 hours. So you got 48 more hours. In 72, 48 more hours, you're going to get a real emotional backlash inside yourself. You're going to get a real indi indignation feeling, a real rage uh, reaction. And, and, and be mindful. Uh, talk to somebody about it because it's 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 going to be there and it needs to be there as a human being. It needs to be there. But deal with it. Don't suppress it and don't come out sideways if you can help it. But that's all I would say. Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, we appreciate uh, you listening today, Charlie. Thanks. This has been a, a good first run and can't wait to dig into some of these things in upcoming conversations. Well, thank you, my friend. And uh, for all of you out there, listen, caring matters. I was talking about caring earlier and I want to let you know it is never in short supply, but I cannot think my way to caring. I can care, and then I use my thinking to look at how is the best way to care. I can't think, should I care or not care? That decision is, is uh, not a thinking decision. It's a heart decision. Do you care or not care? And I believe when you get to that heart that's under six years old, we all care. We all care. We've just shut it down. We shut it down for good reason, because it's a f***ed up world, and we didn't make it that way. But we can certainly start to straighten it out. We can. That's what I believe. And love is the way we get there. And that's why it's called the Thinking Not Podcast. Thanks, everybody. All right. That wraps up today's discussion. Thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please rate, follow, or subscribe, and review. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com. And you can find more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that every day brings a little kindness. Be good to each other.